The date is July 13th, 1990, and we're watching Ghost. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. and welcome to I Used to Like This One. This is the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the Sam Wheat to my Oda Mae Brown. That's an, that was an interesting choice. Hello, I'm Colin Stewart. You know, back with Point Break and Roadhouse, <laughs> I made you the Swayze character. I figured we just uh, had I to see. keep you on the Swayze train. Yeah. I see, I see. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. At first, I was like, I was like, well, Whoopi's black, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> she's also sense. a woman, so you know it doesn't matter, right? That's we're true. we're all fluid on this. We we'll, we'll do everything. So there we go. <laughs> this week we are celebrating that day of love, Valentine's Day, which is why we picked a romantic movie this week. But as any listener knows from the way we talk about loving musical theater and not knowing anything about cars, that. Colin and I are the manliest macho men that there could possibly ever be, so we were afraid of the tidal wave of testosterone that would wash over this episode if it was just him and I. So to balance out that concern, we brought in a first-time guest, a woman I had the pleasure of performing with back in December when I appeared in Elf the Musical. Please welcome my friend Marissa Dingle. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. This is uh, exciting to have you on here. Now, I, like I said, I brought you in to br- interject a little estrogen here for us. Are you a big romantic movie fan? Do you like the rom-cons? Are you a chick flick chick? Or or do you like the action stuff? I mean, I like both, but I'm definitely a sucker for a good rom-com. Okay. And I mean, not really the calm in this case. How do you feel about something like Ghost where... You know, it's the the rom dram. It's <laughs> it's a weird combo, but I still dig it. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, this week we are looking back at July 1990 when the movies and theaters were Die Hard 2, Die Harder, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Days of Thunder, Ghost Dad, and of course our movie for today, Ghost, which earned 505.7 million dollars on a 22 million dollar budget making it the highest grossing movie of the year. And also, interestingly, Pretty Woman came out the same year and was $463 million. So, you know, we've got a billion dollars worth of romantic movies back in 1990. Wow. Well, as always, there will be spoilers ahead. So if you don't want spoilers in your face like clay in your face i wanted to work the clay in there somehow anyways i don't think it worked but anyways there will be spoilers ahead so if you haven't watched this movie please hit pause go watch it and then come back and hear what we have to say so the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie is well i do have three the first is a love that will last forever two on the nose for me two on the nose (laughs) number two you will believe you will, Colin. You will believe. <laughs> you think you're not going to believe? You will believe. I don't know about that. 
<laughs> it's an, too aggro. It's an aggressive cat, catchphrase, yeah. Well, finally, number three. Before Sam was murdered, he told Molly he'd love and protect her forever. Whoa. We all know we all know that the right tagline to have used was just ditto, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I should have just put that. <laughs> <laughs> well, these may not be the best descriptions of this movie, so let's go to call it and get a 60-second synopsis. All right. Where's my notes? <laughs> I should have practiced reading this because I basically just wrote it as one giant run-on sentence. So awesome. here we go. <laughs> Banker Sam Wheat and his best gal Molly Jensen have just moved into their fancy new Manhattan apartment and life is as good as it can be. Life is nothing but playful banter, longing looks, and pottery-fueled sexcapades until one day it's all over. After a night on the town, Molly and Sam are attacked by a mugger. Sam tries to fight him off. A shot rings out. The mugger flees with Sam in pursuit, but he gets away, leaving Sam to turn around and find that he's been shot. And worse, he's a ghost! He watches himself bleed to death in Molly's arms. Now on the other side of the veil, Sam learns how to ghost from some other spirits and finds help in the form of a psychic named Otome Brown who discovers she actually does have the gift and isn't a con artist like she thought. With Otome's help, Sam reaches out to Molly to warn her about the man who killed him, only to find out that there's more to the story and that it was in fact Sam's best friend Carl who set him up to be killed, fearing he would uncover his shady money laundering scheme. Will Sam learn how to poltergeist in time to protect Molly not only from Carl's murderous agenda, but also his far too soon, considering she's your dead friend's best girl, sexual advances? Let's find out on another episode of I Used to Like This One. You you really got into channeling like your inner Aaron Sorkin or or like G- Gilmore Girls like like you you tried to yeah. cram a <laughs> lot of extra adjectives in there and yeah that was a just, that was a mouthful but well done well done Colin thank you sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know you just get the inspiration yeah yeah so this is one of those movies that I know back when it came out on video. That was back when I was a subscriber of the Columbia House Video Company, (laughs) and Ghost was one of the movies that was the movie of the month, and, you know, if you don't mail back the thing with Columbia House, you end up having to keep the movie and spending something ridiculous like 40 bucks for it. So, Ghost was one that I owned. (laughs) (laughs) I I did love Ghost, though. I remember it was a cool uh, white uh, video cassette and i like I, I remember that was one of those trends that there was back in the 90s is i remember the ninja turtle soundtrack came in different colors you could buy an orange a purple a blue or a red depending on which turtle you were supporting so it was a gimmick i remember my white videotape of this though and i have watched this movie many many times i did love this movie i've got a soft spot for this movie marissa as our resident female this week what is your younger self's experience with the movie ghost as a younger girl i was obsessed with this movie like i loved it yeah i was introduced to it from my older sister, I think. Um, that was my first time watching it, and I thought, oh, how romantic. I love this. Um, but re-watching it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love most of it. Okay. Colin, what about you? Do you have a history with the movie Ghost? I've never seen this movie before. 
But again, it's I actually watching this movie was interesting for me because the only things I know about it are from pop culture references to it. Okay. So there are things that I like recognize or like knew that like just from pop culture that I knew were from Ghost from having seen them like echoed in multiple movies and TV shows, but I'd never actually seen the movie myself. Yeah, I remember the movie The Naked Gun, I think it was the third one, 33 and a third. They had a complete ripoff of the pottery scene. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was all over. Yeah, but funny enough, it's like, for whatever reason, I remember the time when Ghost came out. Even though I've never seen it, I remember when it was coming out, just because I remember, like, it's one of those things, I would have been four years old, four or five years old, and I just, I can, like, vividly, for some reason, remember hearing the older women in my life talk about this movie, and sexy Patrick Swayze was, and how romantic it was, and all that, and just gushing over it, and all that, and just being like, you know, I was into Batman and Ninja Turtles, so I was like, blah, like, get that out of my face, (laughs) that's probably why I never really ventured around to watching it, but yeah, it is, it is kind of, it always sits in my mind for that reason, just because I remember it being kind of like one of those, like, cultural touchstone movies at the time that it came out. Yeah. Now, Marissa, you may not know this, but like Colin and I have recently discovered a couple Patrick Swayze movies, and we have fallen deeply in love with Patrick Swayze. So this is also special for me to be showing Colin a different side of Patrick Swayze by bringing him Ghost, because Roadhouse and Point Break are the ones where Colin has previously seen what Patrick Swayze is capable of. First, I'll ask you, do you, do you have a favorite Patrick Swayze movie or what do you feel about Patrick Swayze? It, it's really funny you ask because you're talking about like the roadhouse side of him where I'm familiar with the dirty dancing side of him. And- oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably like the top. I mean, such a classic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, like, a romantic movie, what are your leanings? Is it the rom-com? And if so, do you have a favorite? Or or do you have, like, a Titanic or an Armageddon? Like, what kind of romantic movies do you like? Definitely, like, the Dirty Dancing, um, Pearl Harbor, even though it's not really, like, okay. the kind of Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the romantic, like, tragedy. So I think Ghost kind of, like, falls in there, even though... Like, what is Ghost? It, like, it borders, like, horror movie with those, like, creepy characters from hell? Like, Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's border, but, like, yeah, the romantic tragedies is usually where I'm at. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, about the, how about the Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo, and Juliet? Are either of you fans of that one from back in the day? Love it. One of my favorite movies by far, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that will make its way onto this podcast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I would so love to come back if that makes it onto this podcast. Okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's jump into the one we're here for. Let's jump into Ghost. It's directed by Jerry Zucker, which, interestingly, considering I said that uh, there's a spoof in Naked Gun from this, he is the producer of the Naked Gun. That's one of those things Jerry Zucker is famous for. He's the director of Airplane and Top Secret. Like, he comes from the spoof comedy world. But it's hmm. produced by Lisa Weinstein, no relation, and written by Bruce Joel Rubin. And so we open this movie on, just like Marissa was saying, with the idea that there's a horror vibe. 
the very opening has some intensely creepy music going on yeah. and it had me going and 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 like it tries to like jump scare you with the title of ghost coming up on the screen and it's just like holy shit like what kind of movie are they trying to market right off the beginning here <laughs> yeah that, that was exactly my thought i was like if somebody just watched like if somebody was watching this movie and had never heard of it like me i was like did i get the right movie like am i like it seems because all i know basically is the clay sex scene and so i was kind of just <laughs> like this seems like am i watching scream or am i watching a, a romantic movie but like marissa said this movie does it's one of those weird things about kind of those 90s movies i think where it's almost genreless or like genre fluid maybe would be a better term where it's like you don't really know I I wouldn't know how to classify this movie exactly yeah like because it opens up with that bit with Carl in the elevator I mean after we get our sweaty men breaking down the walls of this house but I mean he's got that whole bit in the elevator about the contagious disease he has whoa too soon COVID but (laughs) but it's it's absolutely hilarious and you think you're in for this comedy and he's such a good buddy and they you know give him such a dark turn I do want to go back to that renovation scene, though, in the beginning. They're knocking down that wall. I have a question that I've always wanted to ask people and have never had people around whenever this question comes up. Those kinds of walls that they always knock down in movies where it's like the thin wooden slats instead of like proper like drywall and studs. Have you ever seen houses that actually physically have that? That's that's the only kind of wall you ever see in a movie. You know what I'm talking about? Looks kind of like a wall of Venetian blinds once they uh, get you know in behind the drywall. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not a I'm not well versed as as despite my manly facade, as Sean stated <laughs> at the top of the show, I'm not not really well versed in contracting and contracting knowledge. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny you ask that because I was like, ooh, it's, this is a testosterone question. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, to get back, to give you a less testosterone question, in, in the opening bit, before they like break through the walls and it's got the spooky music and then it transforms to romantic, did either of you get Phantom of the Opera vibes with the way like things were covered with sheets and dusty as it was going through the attic of this place? Funny enough, I was gonna say I got Casper vibes. Casper, <laughs> like vibes. it reminded it reminded me of the house from Casper, and I thought I was like, oh, maybe this is like the ghost, like maybe it's like a haunted house. Like I, I like again, I had no idea what how this movie was gonna roll out. I thought, yeah, kind of like as it went along, my my prediction, I guess, because I always try to like predict what's gonna happen in a movie. But at this opening scene, I assumed he was gonna die and like haunt that, like. Like, haunt the house, almost. <laughs> okay. Like he, he was going to be tethered to this one place instead of the person. Yeah, like, I thought I thought the way they open with the house and the fact that they're moving into a house, a new house, and it does have that creepy vibe that the, that the actual house was going to play more of a thing to it, I guess. Like, almost, there's this movie, I remember, it's another romantic comedy, I think, with, like, Reese Witherspoon, where she like dies in her house and then haunts it and falls in love with some guy or something who moves into the apartment after. Oh, isn't isn't it uh, Matthew McConaughey that's in that as well? Probably. I mean, uh, like it's, ghost- it's a, it, no, no, it's around it's around that it's around that time. Yeah. Okay. 
But yeah, I don't remember specifically what it's called. Yeah, I, I, I'm hopping on uh, my, my phone here as fast as I can. Let's see. Reese Witherspoon. Just Like Heaven? I think. Is it Just Like Heaven? Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> a lonely a lonely landscape architect falls for the spirit of the beautiful woman who used to live in his new apartment. It's uh, <laughs> Reese, Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo is the male lead. Oh, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> nice. So in that one, she's stuck to a place, though, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I kind of thought it was going to be like a similar thing where, I mean, yeah. The sad, the sad thing about these ghost movies is like, you always kind of wonder if by the end there's going to be a way that they manage to come back to life. Yeah. And, and they never do. Except in Casper, I guess. Well, no, <laughs> even in Casper, he, he, only does, he can only do it for the one dance and then... There's the there's the creepy can I keep you line and then <laughs> what that has to be the worst line in movies but anyways we've digressed we've digressed from ghosts too far <laughs> have you ever noticed that Patrick Swayze wears his pants really high on his waist no is it just me that feels like he's wearing his pants really pulled up I think that just used to be the style okay I just feel like every movie he's uh. Rocking the, I don't know, dad jean look or something. Hmm. Yeah, I never, I never really noticed. I'll have to watch it again and take notice of his fashion. I was, I was, I was just get too focused on Patrick Swayze's hair and just yeah. that that slick, <laughs> slick oiled back cut. <laughs> he's a handsome man. We know he's a handsome man. <laughs> the one part of this movie that really struck me as kind of the time, like I was. Even though it's, I mean, it's not that, I guess it's 30 years old now, but I feel like I don't remember the 90s as well as I, as well as I think sometimes, but when you really see the computers that the bankers are working on, <laughs> and it's this, that just black and green text, and the, and they're so small, like they're the size of my iPad, basically, <laughs> this, but like the, they're the size of a toaster almost. And then even there's the point where he's like looking for phone numbers or addresses he just has this like little pocketbook that he's scrolling through and they're talking about using rolodexes and all this stuff and i was like man (laughs) so analog (laughs) yeah well yeah there's a lot of this movie that i mean only exists because of the data technology i mean Mm -hmm. like the fact that she has to go and fill in like a signature card and get it sent in right up right away to upstairs I, I can take a picture of my check nowadays. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I can deposit it from home with my phone. And, you know, back then it's like, no, we need you to sign it. <laughs> like, yeah. Where does this movie fall in Demi Moore's career? Is it like one of the first things that she ever did? I think A Few Good Men and G.I. Jane were before this. Oh. I feel like G.I. Jane was, like, way later. Oh, see, now we have to look up Demi Moore, too. (laughs) But at least this one is relevant to the podcast. Uh, No, this is before A Few Good Men and Indecent Proposal and Disclosure. So, before this, We're No Angels, The Seventh Sign, One Crazy Summer. Yeah, not much. This would have been, like, her breakout, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would hope that it was pretty early on in her uh, career, because... Here's one scene that really bothers me is the, the death scene. Her acting, I can't stand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. 
just like, what are you doing? Like, she's eerily calm. And then she does this, like, weird, like, shaking. And I'm like, what are you? I know. I couldn't tell if she was shaking him or if it was, if that was, like, his, he was convulsing. Like, if that was, like, the death rattle or whatever. Yeah. Well, I I did read that, though, that one of Demi Moore's talents, and this is impressive, is she can cry out of either eye on cue. Wow. Can she pick which one? Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. That. And 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 I was watching for that, right? It's like, I mean, she's got a solid tear game. She has the one heavy drip that comes down. And it's like, boom. But yeah, I, I was watching for whether there were specifically times that it was only one eye, and there were. Hmm. <laughs> and she cries a lot. I mean, it's... <laughs> But I mean that's impressive. I mean, compare you know, like even if you don't believe her in in that moment of panic, she does have it going on with a solid crying game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel I feel like if we're gonna talk about Demi Moore's acting in that scene, we need to talk about Patrick Swayze's. And there's that to me. There's that scene where when he like realizes he's dead, and it almost looks like they. It was an af- like they they threw it in afterwards because it's just a real close up on his face and he's got this like wide eyed like <laughs> and it just like you know, <laughs> like it just looks so awkward yeah so awkward it made me cringe well if we're gonna talk about acting I mean let's let's talk about all three of the mains because our other one is Oda Mae Brown Whoopi Goldberg actually won the uh, best supporting actress for that year for this role. So what did you think of Whoopi Goldberg then? I don't think there's a single scene that she bothered me, but I'm a huge Whoopi fan, so I mean Yeah. yeah. I agree. Like I think I think without Whoopi this movie <laughs> like would have definitely lost something. Like I definitely think this movie is better for and like I don't, and I also don't think like another person could have played it as well as her. Like I think it's just that whoopy personality really brings and that comedy that she interjects into the movie really brings something to it. It's hard. It's hard for me to imagine her winning an Oscar for this movie though. Yeah, because by today's standards, it's like any movie. Like I can't even imagine Ghost being in the Oscar picture by to, mm-hmm. by today's standards. So that that's also kind of interesting, but. Well, interesting alternate castings I read for Oda May though were Jack A. Harris, Patty LaBelle, Tina Turner, or Oprah. Uh, Oprah, wow. Yeah. I don't like any of those. <laughs> yeah, what <me too. laughs> yeah, Wh- was the right choice. Yeah, I just I don't know whether it was an Oscar worthy performance, but it was a good performance. It, you know, it was a solid performance. I yeah, because she gets possessed a couple times that <laughs> I think like I think her character her character is kind of like the only one that has a real arc you yeah. know what I mean like who like starts as something and then kind of like is changed by the end of it everybody else is pretty much well just the same like I mean you could make an argument that Carl changes but it's like did he really because you don't really get to know who he is all that much or then he just turns out to be duplicitous but yeah. I think with like Oda May she starts as this person who's a con artist and by the end of it she seems like she's a better like she's a better person. <laughs> yeah. My only thing with with the acting I think was like and it's just there's a scene early on when she's with Molly where she mentions that she can't see Sam, she can only hear him. Yeah. And that that seems like throughout the movie 
sometimes that seems true, but then there's a lot of times where it doesn't like it seems pretty clear that she could she can see him. But that's more yeah. of just like I think a di- like the director's issue. Yeah. I thought I thought it would have been interesting if they had added some scenes that kind of showed her talking to no one, <laughs> like just kind of talking to herself like a crazy well, person on the street. There, there were a few of them, like the one where she, you know, where they they're leaving the bank or down the sidewalk. I mean, mm-hmm. and they show like a distant shot, and you yeah. see her just talking to herself. So yeah, you're right. I mean, they could have used a few more, but but they did have some in there. Mm-hmm. I do like I do like Tony Goldwyn. I'm a very I'm a big fan of him from uh he was in another one of my favorite movies when I was younger called Cuffs with Christian Slater. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he did a great job. But, you know, I I find it interesting though that you brought up that scene where she can see him uh or she can hear him but doesn't know where he is. She can't see him. I actually isolated that script and I think I want to do a little I used to like this one piece theater. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so Colin, I know we I know we just did and I used to like this one piece theater on our last episode for Joe Dirt, but I figure we have Marissa here. I know M- Marissa from theater. That's where I met her. So I, I figured let's do a little reading to initiate her into this podcast. And so I have sent you guys the script for the scene where Odame is talking to Molly. And I figured let's do a gender swap on this. <laughs> Colin, Colin, okay. we're going to get you to play Odame because I feel like we still need to make sure that, you know. <laughs> I like this, by the way. <laughs> And uh, and I I will play Molly and Marissa. We will get you to play the man himself, Patrick Swayze. We will have you play Sam Wheat. Oh my gosh, I I don't. <laughs> the script the script appears to be written in like ebonics, like Otome's first line. It says in fact, yeah. Like I guess <laughs> Inter- interesting interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I hit I hit all those real good. Okay. Okay, let's do this. To tell the truth, I don't know how I'm doing it. In fact, confidentially, nothing like this has ever happened to me before. Now, all of a sudden, I can't turn it off. Is this you? Is this him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Haz- Hazel eyes, huh? You sound like they'd be blue. I don't understand. Why did he come back? Why is he still here? Because he's stuck. That's why. He's be- he's between worlds. It happens sometimes when their spirits get out too quick. He thinks he still has stuff to do down here. Come on, Otome. Stop rambling. Uh-oh. Now he's got an attitude. I do not have an attitude. We're having a discussion. What do you mean you're not angry? If you weren't angry, you wouldn't be raising your voice like that. God damn it, Otome. Ah-ah, uh-uh, baby. That does it. I don't talk to anybody who takes the Lord's name in vain. Relax, Otome. You relax. You're the dead one. You want my help? Then you apologize. Nobody talks to me like that. Understand? Jesus Christ! Excuse me, girl. Time for me to go. I don't believe I'm watching this. Damn it. All right. I apologize. I need you to tell Molly what I'm saying. You gotta tell her word for word. Monsieur has a message for you. Molly, you're in danger. You can't tell her like that. Would you stop moving all over the place? You're making me sick. Say it! He's saying you're in danger. Danger? 
What do you mean? I know the man who killed me. Willie Lopez. I know where he lives. He says he knows the man who killed him. (laughs) Willie Lopez. He's Puerto Rican. Write it down. Write it down. You do it. Now I'm a secretary? Prospect Place, apartment 4B? Hey, that's my neighborhood. Molly, he's got my wallet and my key. He was in here. He's got his wallet and key. He was in here. In here? You have to go to the police. The mugger wasn't acting alone. It was a setup, Mall. I was murdered. He says he was set up, that he was murdered. He wants you to go to the police. I'm sorry. I don't want nothing to do with this. Where are you going? Don't follow me. I've done all I'm going to do. I'm finished. And I ain't coming back. So don't you come bothering me again because it's over. I mean it. This is it. Have a nice life. Have a nice death. I'm going. Yes! I used to like this one piece theater. Right on. Wow, you know, when you do it as a reading like that without the visuals, it really uh, loses some of the charm of the scene in the movie. I was mistaken, though, about the fact that she can't see him wasn't mentioned in that part. It's the, it's the part about stop moving around, you're making me sick. That's the line that's in this that I really like. Yeah, I, I really like the relationship between Sam and Oda May. I do, I do have to say that. I think those two do have some really great chemistry and, and a lot of funny moments. Part of the reason that I love that scene that we've read so much is because of that little relationship where she's like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. You have to apologize. Like, I just love the sass and the back and forth between the two of them. That's yeah. one of my favorite moments between the two characters. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, I, I do also love the subtle little line where, you know, he, he does keep her up all night singing I'm Henry VIII. And and later on, Molly's like, oh, yeah, that's what he did to get me to say yes to him asking me out. <laughs> so, Colin, as a first time viewer, like, ultimately, were you surprised? By the turn in Carl. We we started talking a bit about Carl before I took us down the I used to like this one piece theater rabbit hole. So what what did you think about this? You know, did it come as a surprise to you? It kind of did, actually. I feel stupid saying that. I don't think you should. I mean, I think that's the intent of the script. But it kind of did. Like, again, I had no idea that this movie was going to go down the murder route. Mm-hmm. And the conspiracy wrote, I okay. thought, I thought, to be honest, given the way it starts with, with they talk about like how Carl's like the good buddy and the hired hand and the best friend, that it was going to be one of those things where Sam was going to die and live in the house. And then, and then like Carl and Molly were going to end up together. Like I thought, I thought that's the kind of movie that, that I was in for. Okay. So, so when it turned out that he was actually the one behind the murder, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I see what you did. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I was yeah, I was surprised. I didn't think it was going to go that way and then but I mean, once the turn happens, like Tony Goldwyn does a really good job of playing a just like scared but like not like he's he's not he's not in control. I wish they would have elaborated a little bit more on like what his situation is. Yeah, like, who's he talking to on the phone? Yeah, like, it seems like he's in trouble, right? Yeah. So you, there is some sympathy to him, but I think they don't really elaborate because they don't want you to feel it. If you felt bad for him too much, it would take away from poor, poor Sam Wheat. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it really is like a, a typical ghost story, but told from the ghost's point of view, which which is a fascinating spin to put on a movie. Uh, there, There is a new series out this season. I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's called Ghosts, and it's this couple that inherits a home, and it's haunted by like the ghosts of everyone that's ever lived there. And it's kind of funny because it's a like it's a comedy version of some of the things that happen in this movie like seeing them manipulate things in this show is really funny because you see them like screaming trying to trying to type on a keyboard just ah! and then it cuts away where you don't see any ghosts and it's absolutely silent and you see mm-hmm. like the keyboard key click and yeah. it's it's just it's it's hilarious you know it's hilarious the way that they do that but i mean you know in this movie yeah i feel like it was stolen from the fact that sam can learn to like touch objects at one point in this movie yeah i mean did you kind of i was curious like did you guys want to see more in this movie like ghost interaction like i kind of liked that scene with the train guy and the scene when he first goes to the hospital and and meets that old man like, I thought it would have been interesting for him to almost make some ghost friends and that sort of thing. And even even to maybe explain, like, why he's why he didn't go to heaven or whatever. Well, he just chose to walk away from heaven. I mean, it was his own choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, he, I don't know, he was ultimately too curious about what was going on behind him, I guess. <laughs> well, I think they're going along the, like... You know, the lore of ghosts is that they're spirits with unfinished business, yeah. which, which makes sense. But in this movie, it's kind of like, yeah, it just seems like it just seems like he walks. He just walks away from the scary light that he doesn't know what it is. But yeah. no one ever no one ever really explains. Like, my thought was kind of like, well, was that his only chance until the end? Like, how does he even know that he's going to have another opportunity to yeah. go? Or is he just stuck there forever type thing? Yeah. That's one of my main problems now, not before. Like, when I was in love with this movie, I didn't even notice things like this. But that's one of my issues with it now. It's like, there's so many things that aren't explained. Like, why does the light come down at the beginning of the movie and nobody can see him? But at the end, the light comes down. Oh, my God, I can see and hear you. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And it's just, it's, there's a lot of things that happen inexplicably, which bugs me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, because we also see the one guy on the operating table that doesn't make it, and he just floats right up. Yeah, he no- just gets sucked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It, like, would he have had the opportunity to step off the table instead? Like, it came down right on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> At least Sam had to walk into it. <laughs> yeah. I think I agree with you, Marissa. Like, I think it's it's tough with these movies that we watch on this show, which are predominantly from the 80s and 90s, because it's definitely like a different, it's like a time of filmmaking when they really didn't care about continuity errors or like lapses in logic, which both makes the movies really fun to watch. Because you're like, oh, nice. They really just cared about entertaining you. But at the same time, because we're all so geared towards how movies are now, it's also it can also sometimes be aggravating when you're actually trying to critique it. Because you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> That's why I said I love most of it now. Because yeah. there's little errors in it. I'm just like, oh my god, I can't. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. why? <laughs> 
one of one of the weirdest things for me was uh like I had mentioned before, a lot of my knowledge of Ghost is based on pop culture references. And somehow I've always put together like I thought the clay scene happened when Sam was a ghost. <laughs> so did I, and I've like, seen it. Yeah, like I thought <laughs> I I thought that was the thing. Like she would like that somehow she had like slept with a ghost and that that was like a funny I've s i have swear I've seen that made fun of in that way in other in other shows and movies. So when I when the when it was so early in the movie and he was still alive, I was like, wow, this is not at all that was when I was like, this is not the movie I thought I was watching. What what's that phenomenon where we dropped it in a few episodes? Yeah, the, the, the Man- one where yeah, Mandela, Mandela effect. effect. That's, yeah, yeah may, maybe that's what we society has Mandela affected this movie, and a lot of people do remember it as ghosts. Because, like I said, I've seen this movie, and for some reason, I'm like, oh yeah, he was alive when they when they did the pottery scene. Yeah. Patrick Swayze, incidentally, did say that that is like the sexiest thing that he's ever filmed, in his own personal opinion. And I'm like, have you seen Roadhouse? Come on, Patrick <laughs> Swayze. You were sexy in Roadhouse, but dirty dancing, dirty dancing yeah, for sure. Yeah, dirty dancing. Yeah, grinding on each other the entire show. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no one puts baby in a corner. Come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, I wanted to point out in the in the pottery scene that at what point did they stop to wash their hands of the clay? Because I did. I noticed that when <laughs> they get to the bed, the hands are clean. Yep. And I don't think yep. that would have been true. <laughs> No. I didn't see I didn't see any breaks for for hand washing. I'm just gonna say <laughs> no. It should have come up later that there was a muddy handprint on the couch that they had never gotten off. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> yeah. T- Titanic style. It just yeah. ends. <laughs> ends ends with the the clay po- the clay handprint on the wall. <laughs> the scene where she's talking to him. She's like, I picked up your shirts today. She's just sitting there holding a pillow with a clay handprint on it. Yeah, <laughs> or or underwear with a clay. <laughs> okay, what now? Here, here's a segue with underwear. What is the story with the green underwear that she writes her name in? Yeah, because that's one of the things that Oda May yells up at her, and then and then within uh, two seconds of her yelling that at Molly, she turns to Sam and she's like, oh, that's a story I would have never forgotten. And it's like, he had time to tell that story? Like, yeah. what is the story? And then later on, she mentions it to Carl about, no, he knew about the underwear that I signed his name, my name in. And he's just like, oh, yeah. You know, like like that old chestnut. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like, ah, we've all heard that one. <laughs> Oh God! If if I had a nickel for every time I heard the signing your name in that green pair of panties story, like it's just, I just I want to know what that story is. But I guess it could go along with the you know story of the handprint on the underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did did the pottery scene live up to all of its hype in pop culture though for you, Colin? I mean, yeah it it's a it's definitely a good scene. It's just. To its credit, like, I always say, like, I wish that movies and TV would embrace the sexiness of how sex was portrayed in the 80s and 90s, because now it's just all show, and, like, nothing is left to the imagination. Like, I like I like how these sex scenes are done, where it's just, like, you get the build, and then it's just, like, 
ah, fade. And then you yeah. don't have to, like, be oh, yeah. so, like, gratuitous. Yeah, it's all kissing and groping, and then they drop out of frame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was Patrick Swayze's sexiest scene. I mean, uh, the fight in Roadhouse where he rips that guy's heart out is... I mean, that has to be top-notch. <laughs> not heart, throat. Give it give it, oh, give yeah, it, throat. the respect. Throats. It was a Sorry, throat pull. Throat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I did read that apparently the original draft of the script, you know the part where Oda May lets Sam possess her and we've got the <laughs> creepy when you think about it scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but apparently that was originally scripted to be a sex scene. yeah uh, that was yeah (laughs) that that was a scene that was difficult to uh to wrap like that that's one of those ones like you said sean when you think about it too much it's like no (laughs) it's wrong i mean i'll go to seinfeld not that there's anything wrong with that but it is really weird when you think about it from the outside. Like, I don't well, know. Even, even, even in the scene itself, there's the point where he's, like, touching her lips. Yeah. And you're, like... Otome has like, huge, long nails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, Molly, is is something happened that is blinding... Right? Blinding her from the fact that this woman is just going... Yeah. This is the scene in the movie that I despise the most. Okay. All of these reasons. Because here's my thing. The whole scene leading up to it and the scenes after, he's pushing people. He can touch people. And yet he has to go inside of Whoopi Goldberg in order to touch her and have this super creepy moment. Which, frankly, if it was me, like, would mean nothing to me because I'm not touching Sam. Sam's not touching me. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. what was the point of it other than to weaken him so that he's not there for the first part of the fight and just like why like why was this necessary because it's just yeah yeah i also thought it would have been more meaningful and kind of profound if if the point of him learning how to touch was for that moment Mm -hmm. if that was going to be the payoff where he's like you know spurred on by their love and emotion he he manages to find the will to like will himself to actually like touch her with his own being or whatever and that yeah. kind of stuff yeah like yeah, I thought... yeah he, he makes the penny float that that takes major concentration but he can't touch her yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean if it, if it had ended up being a sex scene and they went that route it would have also made for an awkward visual where like what does that look like <laughs> yeah but good thing i brought my strap on with me <laughs> <laughs> but you know the one thing i do love in that scene is the perfectly timed needle drop of (laughs) of unchained melody as soon as like it goes from being whoopee and all of a sudden it's patrick there and it's like oh my yeah oh god i love it just like i mean mean, I've, i've heard i've heard that song before but there's something about when you see it and like i'll never be able to hear that song again without picturing patrick swayze and demi moore making googly eyes at each other in my mind (laughs) (laughs) have either of you ever tried pottery no but i've always wanted to 
See, I have the exact same answer as you, Marissa. Yeah, it's like, why haven't I ever done this? Because I just always forget that it's something that I want to try, but they make I, it look fun. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember doing like like ceramics stuff in in school and like industrial arts, but I always definitely wanted to try doing something with that lathe or whatever with this little spinny thing. With and the see, wheel, like, yeah. What, yeah, molding it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I I had in my art ten or whatever. Yeah, I I remember making a ceramic box, but yeah, there was nothing where it was clay on a wheel. Just mm-hmm. always wanted to try it. Yeah. Well, it's never too late. That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the city arts center has some sort of pottery class. Yeah, people wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it is too late. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Sometimes it is too late. Yeah, you do feel bad for for Sam. They have that scene right before they go out where where they're talking about, like, why don't you ever tell me you love me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, I just, I just, you know, every time something good in life happens, just gets taken away from me, blah, blah. They really, they really wanted to drive it home that something bad is about to happen here. Well, I, I did do a ditto tally. There are nine dittos in the movie. <laughs> I feel like there should be more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little bit choked when when Sam is like leaving to go to heaven. That I mean, I get, I get that she has to say ditto, but it's like you should have just said you loved him. Like that's gonna be the last time you see him, and you're just gonna say ditto. Yeah, I think at that. Ditto means more that more to them than I love. I guess it's like a it's like an as you wish scenario at that point. Yeah, uh, perfect example. Yeah, <laughs> I I did notice though when Sam goes to Whoopi Goldberg for the first time or whatever, and he starts telling her that he needs her to do this and he needs her to do that, and he's he'll never leave her alone, and you know he ends up doing his I'm Henry the Eighth, I am, and all that sort of stuff. You know the one thing Sam never did try? Please? He never <laughs> once said please. He never once asked her nicely. Like, I don't know if I like Sam all of a sudden. Like, do, does Sam deserve to go to heaven at the end when he brings about two people's deaths? Sure, he doesn't pull the trigger, but come on. He he pokes them in the ribs long enough for the one guy to get hit by the truck and, and ends up dodging the thing to or whatever dodging the hook so that carl meets his end so i don't know it's just does he does he deserve does he deserve the full heaven treatment at the end i mean he's still a hero at the end of the day can't take it from him (laughs) can't take it from him you're dead willie (laughs) yeah (laughs) although Sam, you're right. Sam is kind of like an asshole. Like even when he's messing with Carl in the office with the computer and and all that, like he could have just been satisfied with the fact that he stole all his money and screwed him over and all that. He didn't have to go rub it in. Start typing on his computer. <laughs> yeah, driving murderer, him, driving him insane. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting the way that the bad, like those weird shadow demons that that come up and take the bad people. They gave me. Christmas Carol vibes, yeah. You know, like in the Christmas Carol, when I'm thinking of like the Alistair Sim movie, but like when uh, Marley shows it, Scrooge the people who who like failed to do whatever good in life, and they're like screaming at people trying to make a difference. That's what those things, rem- those shadow guys, reminded me of. And it's just so creepy how they suck in and then come out. And just, 
I, I yeah, it was definitely like a cool idea. I thought like I. I thought, you know, for 1990, when it came to things like the shadow monsters and all the different passing through people effects, they were not too bad for special effects. There were a couple that were really poor, like him reaching through a door for the first time. That one was one that was, that one was a little. <laughs> well, it's so, it's so staged. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, does this hurt him? Like, why is this such an effort? Well, I mean, the old guy does warn him that it's going to be weird the first time. And I mean, his color, color starts changing. Yeah, why don't you just walk through? I don't know. I guess because you just aren't used to the idea of walking through. Yeah. But I've always I've... wondered, why don't you walk uh, fall through floors then? Right. Like, yeah, the... that makes like, there was one point in one of the subway fights where he's fighting the subway ghost, and he ends up getting thrown through, like, all the stanchions, all the bars that are on the subway, and he yeah. gets thrown through the door, but then he ends up landing hard against the next train, and it's like, well, why did that one stop him? Shouldn't he just be sliding forever at this point? Or, like, yeah, he would have been racing with the train because, like, technically, when he gets thrown, he turns, like, incorporeal. So if the street, if the train is moving at, this is, like, some weird physics math problem, but if the train is moving, <laughs> if the train is moving faster than he was being thrown, then technically the train should just go all the way through him and he should end up at the end on the tracks. And what time do they get to St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the weird the weird one for me was when the nurse or the hospital person with the gurney goes through him and he I didn't I didn't pick up until the second watch I think that he's he's seeing like his brain, brain? matter yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one was odd. But I mean like even like the part where he's fighting Willie as Willie's going up the stairs and he's just swinging through him. I mean, you could tell that the that they were effects, but they, I, I thought for 1990, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the special effects a thumbs up for this. And I thought that for 1990, they did a solid job on on effects. So I mean, that's kind of yeah. The the only one that actually really where I was like, this seems odd is their final kiss. Like, yes! would would it have been so hard to just have Sam all glowy and they actually just kissed? Because the way it looks is like they filmed it. Like, I'm just imagining Demi Moore was just sitting there with her, like, head tilted and her lips out, and then they filmed mm -hmm. Patrick Swayze, like, coming forward, but, like, it's it's clear that they were filmed separately. Yeah. Right? And so, that, like, just imagining it, and it, and it just doesn't look as good as you want for the, their final star-crossed lover passionate embrace. <laughs> Yeah. Part of the problem too, though, is that I think it's so obvious because there's no lip movement. They're literally just leaning <laughs> forward and just like smushing their faces together. Quote. Yeah. Yeah. Like kissing motion, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. I, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's one thing you don't think about is like the main component of a kiss is the pressure. <laughs> So it's like, how do you, how would you, how do you act a fake kiss without pressure? Yeah. <laughs> you bring in a glass ball that. Honestly, they probably would have been better served to just have a like, yeah, translucent ball of some sort that she could have went against. Yeah. <laughs> green screen ball. 
Yeah. Green screen balls. Yeah. Have either of you? I th- this is a trope in movies I don't understand. Is the the couple that sits in bed and reads together? Are either of you in bed readers with your partners? I'm not a reader, period, and I don't have a partner, so no. <laughs> okay. I mean. I, I read in bed, but I don't like read out loud to my wife. Okay, yeah, I just I always find it interesting the trope of the getting ready for bed thing with spouses in in movies, where it's just like that's always what it is: them sitting in bed, perfectly upright against the <laughs> against the headboard, like it's not freezing cold or anything. I've that's always bothered me in movies. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's just, like, so not realistic because, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just, like, I basically stay up watching TV until it's time to go to bed. Sometimes I read but before, but it's, like, once I get to bed, it's usually I'm just, like, in bed, go to sleep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's me, too. Yeah. <laughs> no no long, no long talks about, about world events and <laughs> all that good stuff. I'm still waiting to see how Sean is going to. This is this has to be a record for us not have gone to sponsorship corner. Yet. I know. I'm getting. I'm, I know. I'm like. I'm getting nervous. I'm like, when is it going to happen? Like, has he forgotten? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you just gave me my segue because I have no other way in. Let's go to sponsorship corner. <laughs> It, it was it was a tough one. The the closest I got to segueing into this one this week was when I was talking about the subway ghost teaching him to be able to manipulate objects. Because in that scene, they are kicking a Mountain Dew can. But Ghost is small. So here we go. Always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, Ghost is brought to you by Ferrari and Ford, Reebok Shoes, Pepsi and Mountain Dew, Paul Mall Cigarettes, Nine Lives Cat Food, Rosario Grocery, Durley Farms, the band The Who, and the musical Cats, plus the fictional companies of Sister Otome Brown's spiritual advisor, the law offices of Archer and Archer, and Market Security Bank and Trust. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. I feel uh, like a burden has been a lifted is, off the episode. Has been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, in there. I mean, I did mention the Reebok shoes. That that's the special box that Molly has aside for Sam's stuff. I I love how she just can't part with anything, but somehow all of Sam's stuff still fits in this one box even though her personality is she can't part with any of his shit. Like, why isn't all of Sam's stuff still there? How did he get anything away from her? Especially because she's kept Rolaids of all things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love love the very obvious dance moves that uh, Patrick Swayze gets to bust out in this movie. You know, when he's jumping from one subway car to another and he does it in like this full graceful jeté across from one one car to the other. Or he does that through the door as well. Or there's the part where they're they're hauling the giant angel sculpture into the loft apartment and he swings up and does the kick out and like lands all gracefully. Got to put those moves to use. 
Didn't he start as did he start as a dancer? Yeah. And then yeah. is that how he got dirty dancing? Yeah, and he's married to a dancer as well, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and they had like a whole dance studio franchise thing going on as well or something. Hmm. Nice. One one of the surprise appearances that I was not expecting in this movie that I was very excited to see was Steven Root as the cop at one point. And as a big Office Space fan, you know, see, and, and the fact that I've been watching the book of Boba Fett and Steven Root shows up in that as well, it's, it was very exciting for me to see Steven Root in a very understated moment. Colin's the look on That's, your face is blank. I, I was wondering. No, no, like, no, no, no. I, like, I know who you're talking, and I was, you've, you've. You've put the piece in the puzzle for me because I I saw that guy <laughs> and I was just like, what do I know him from? But I I couldn't place his face. But now that you mentioned Office Face, I'm like, oh, that's the dude. Gotcha. Yeah, you took my stapler. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I've got a couple of alternate castings as well here. If you want to hear them for Sam. Okay, I'm interested. Yeah, because originally director Jerry Zucker thought that Patrick Swayze was wrong for the part because he had just seen Roadhouse. <laughs> it's, it's always the way. These are in alphabetical order, so and there there's a number of them, but we've got Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin, Nicolas Cage, Kevin Costner, Tom <laughs> Tom Cruise, who interestingly was in Days of Thunder at the same time in theaters, Johnny Depp. David Duchovny, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Tom Hanks, Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee himself, Kevin Klein, Dennis Quaid, Mickey Rourke, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis were all people that were considered for this part before they that, went back to, back to Swayze. That sounds like every just just they just had every male actor in Hollywood at the time was was on deck anyone and everyone could play it <laughs> pretty much the one that i found funniest though out of all of them is that bruce willis passed on it because he thought it would be too cheesy being a ghost for most of the movie and now spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen six cents but <laughs> that's hilarious oh uh, i i thought that was priceless <laughs> It's kind of funny because that's literally almost any movie from, I'm going to say, 1986 to 1994. If you look at an alternate cast, I feel like they all have the exact same alternate cast. It's like those were the only male actors in Hollywood at the time, seemingly. It's yeah. Always, it's always Dennis Quaid, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp. Mi- Mickey Rourke shows up fairly often as well. Yeah, but Mel Gibson does too. I'm surprised Michael J. Fox isn't there. <laughs> But uh, my my favorite to think about would have definitely been Kevin Bacon because yeah. I just love Kevin Bacon. But also, like as far as like on screen couples go, I cannot imagine Demi Moore and Nicolas Cage together <laughs> like that. Like I would be baffled. I almost wish it would have happened so I could just know what that would have looked like. I can't. Yeah, it's it's breaking my mind a little bit. <laughs> you know, the the funny thing is though that if you really think about it, so many of these actors have movies that are similar to Ghost in their resume. I mean, like Alec Baldwin has Beetlejuice, 
Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. has Hollow Man. I know that's not a ghost, but it's Invisible Man, right? Nicolas Cage has City of Angels. Kevin Costner has Field of Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Depp has, well, Johnny Depp's just. He has dark, dark shadows. I don't know. Well, well, jo- I, Johnny Depp. Well, Johnny Depp has Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, those are all fucking ghost movies. I guess be- be- because that's the only thing Disney can think of. Apparently, go see Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they they all have seem to have one of those movies where they have some sort of like ghost like aspect. So it's kind of interesting to think that well, they all got their own. Yeah, Patrick Swayze got this one. What one standout for me though, I have to say, is Vincent Schiavelli who plays the Subway Ghost. I really like the Subway Ghost stuff. Yeah, I would have liked more of him. Yeah, as kind of like I, I wish he would have appeared. I mean, they kind of they kind of fill a lot of a lot of uh, Sam's time with Otome. I think it would have been cool to almost like add the subway ghost into that trifecta of he's kind of Sam's guide on the other side of life. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, that that would have been a definitely an interesting way to go with it for sure. His bad angel. The old yeah. man was his first was his good angel and then this guy follows him around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course there is the irony with him that he has his one line of Oh, I would give anything for if I could have one drag of the cigarette. And he died from lung cancer. What, what let, a, da- a downer. <laughs> let that be a lesson to you kids. Yeah. I do have one more alternate casting. The role of Molly, Nicole Kidman, was originally approached, but they decided she was not a big enough star. And then once again, I will say, ironically, Days of Thunder was in theaters at the exact same time. And arguably, that was the movie that made her a star. So, you know, I feel like she could have probably done the same for Ghost. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine Nicole. Nicole Kidman doesn't have that Demi Moore softness. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just like, Demi Moore has this, like, vulnerability yeah especially like back then she had this like sweetness to her that i i find nicole kidman literally the only thing i've really ever seen her in was especially that era was batman forever and in that movie she's like very much just like i don't know she just doesn't she's more just like kind of hard and edgy and yeah just not right for this character (laughs) yeah that's the only alternate casting, though, for Molly. So, I mean, I, but I, yeah, I get, I get what you're a, saying, though. There's yeah. there's a certain, like, I don't know, sophisticated... I, I don't know. I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan, to be honest. So It's, a, it's surprising to me that Demi Moore was the only one I would have thought, like, who are all the other mainstays of that era, like... I mean, none of them, none of them are even coming to mind. I'm like <laughs> Phoebe Cates. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I literally, wanted, but I was like, no, it's too close. Like <laughs> Jennifer Connelly, all the, basically those three, they're all they all seemingly interchangeable. <laughs> oh, here here's a question: When Sam first dies, and they wheel his body out of the room. And they just leave it in the hallway. Like we just talked about the old man. Is that something they would do? Is just let's just park this body here for a little while. I feel like that's something that gets an express trip to the morgue. That's really funny. I never thought of that, but that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think dead bodies get left around laying in the hallway of a, a hospital. 
No. I mean, I've been in a hospital before. I've never come across it. That you know of. That I know of. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Next time time you're at the hospital, if you just see, just (laughs) take a little... You know, if you see a gurney, just, you know, take a little check, maybe. (laughs) Hold hold a mirror under their nose. (laughs) I have to say, I found it quite hilarious when the old guy looks through the dead body, if you will, but he literally just shoves his head into, like, his head space. Doesn't Mm -hmm. turn his head or anything, just looks straight into the blanket and goes, oh, shot, hey? Even though he was shot in the chest, I'm like, how would you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I also like that he's like, got shot, huh? That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about that. Yeah. I also I felt like the when Carl dies, the blood that comes out was a little that seemed excessive to me. I don't like it was a little explosive almost. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's kind of like a delayed explosion too. Like the thing lands in his chest and then like uh, like almost a second later it's like splash. <laughs> <laughs> like someone was laid on the uh, squib. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help when when Carl shows up when he's when he's a ghost and Sam sees him and he's like, "Oh, Carl!" To just in my mind, I just heard Rick from The Walking Dead just Carl. <laughs> oh, Carl, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing I did read, and this this was absolutely fascinating to me, the chase scene at night, like when, when he first gets shot and chases the guy down the street, the, it was actually a very cold night, and they had Patrick Swayze chew ice before each take so that his breath wouldn't show on film. I, I never knew this was a thing at all. And I mean, as a confirmed non-scientist, I can say that I think the science holds up. Well, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing tomorrow night in the Edmonton <laughs> cold. <laughs> Be making ice cubes all day. <laughs> when when Otome does get, like when all the ghosts show up at Otome's and Otome gets possessed by, by that one guy. Oh, what what was his name? Otis, I think it was. Yeah, I would um, say Otis. Yeah. As as soon as she opens her eyes as Otis, she looks across the table, you know, and he's like, I can't hardly see. And and there you are. Damn, girl, what did you do to your hair? And it's like, <laughs> why is he so surprised by this? Because as a ghost, he's been standing around for hours. He would have seen the hair. Why is he so shocked that his wife did something to her hair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just a lot of blank stares at that one. Okay, I'll just I'll just leave that question out to the universe then. <laughs> e- e- everyone that's listening can go. Yeah, why is that? That is an odd thing. Yeah, there are a few inconsistencies that don't hold up in this movie. That's for sure. My other favorite one is when the uh, when he's getting tossed in this in the subway car and he goes through and you can see that there's a person sitting right by the door that he gets pushed through and then he comes and the other ghost like smashes it open and then nobody reacts. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Windows just blow out all the time in New York. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> just another Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. That is Ghost. Oh boy, now Colin, Marissa. 
On IMDb, it scored 7.1 out of 10 and has a meta score of 52. On Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes likes it a lot more. It has 74% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 80%. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like a ghostly poke in the ribs. Hit us with some reviews. Okay. I'm going to start with this funny review I found on Google from Bong Yum, who gave the movie five out of five stars and says, I watched this movie when I was in kindergarten and just started learning English alphabet at school, English being my third language. I couldn't understand the dialogues. I enjoyed the movie mainly for the ghost and supernatural things. As a child, I also felt something in my heart, which I now know is love. I happened to watch it again yesterday. Such a beautiful love story. I have been in love with this movie for the last 30 years. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I now know is love. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's uh, the coming out here, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Julie E says, five out of five stars. I have watched this movie countless times, and it always comes across as a fresh and new film to me, and always invokes emotional reactions from me. I think the directing of Patrick Swayze in the next to the final scene is brilliantly done, and Goldberg adds so much humor to the movie that without her, would have set the wrong tone. Uh, <laughs> you made me suddenly do some like mental gymnastics there. I'm like, the next to the last scene. Or yeah, the last no. of the next scene. And it's like, uh, which one is that? Is that the one where he's like yelling at Carl? Is is that the one? Because yeah. I, I'm assuming the last one is the one where he goes up to heaven, right? I think so, yeah. There there wasn't anything after that, was there? No. Maybe it's the way maybe it's the way he turns away from the camera when Carl gets killed and the blood splatters. Yeah. Magical. <laughs> <laughs> Arseni V says four out of five stars loved it as a preteen and to my great surprise it actually holds up a few minor incongruencies and perhaps some depth sacrifice to the entertainment gods but aged real well nonetheless okay melanie m wrote a review five out of five stars in all caps i'm not gonna yell (laughs) but i'm just gonna say it this is a classic iconic masterpiece anyone who gives less than one star should not be allowed to even being a critic of movies because this is what the movies are all about love passion and some of the best acting of all time more is truly amazing and you can't keep your eyes off her whoopi and patrick come on this is the real deal <laughs> okay nice passionate <laughs> very very passionate you you know it's passionate when it's all caps <laughs> exactly <laughs> I really like this one. It's from Thomason B, who says, four out of five stars. After watching a gif of Whoopi Goldberg saying, you in danger, girl, I was inspired to rewatch the entire movie during a sleepless night. It did not disappoint in awesomely cheesy special effects. Whoopi is effing hilarious. <laughs> and then the last one, ending on a sour note, it's that <laughs> Tatsuhito K gives the movie 2.5 out of five stars and says, Half a star for effort. This is a peculiar film. It starts out as romantic fantasy, but then it ends up being an action thriller with ghosts in it. It tries to be more than just one things, and as a result, it turns into a mess. Swayze and Moore make a likable couple, and the film has some interesting ideas, but the whole conspiracy mystery aspect of it doesn't quite work, and Whoopi Goldberg's over-the-top performance took me out of the film. Ghost is perfectly watchable, but I kind of wish that the movie focused more on the love story aspect and not so much on the mystery or comedic aspects. Huh. I pretty solidly disagree with that assessment. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think without the comedic aspect and Whoopi Goldberg, this movie would be 
not so great. Yeah, Whoopi makes it for me, but she makes a lot of movies for me. One of my favorites of hers is Jumpin' Jack Flash, which I'm obsessed with. I've never seen that. Oh my god, so good. Well, yeah, so 7.1 and 80 from audiences and 74 and 52 from critics. Let's let's go over to Marissa. You You started the show off by saying on this viewing... Not so much. So what what do you think of Ghost? Like, how, how was it that this, you know, compared to what you remember of Ghost? It definitely didn't meet up to what I remembered it being. Like, if I had not rewatched it and I would have given you a rating today, it would have been 10 out of 10. But rewatching it, I'd say, you know, around the 7 to 8. Mostly, again, because of the, the logistical errors in it, the continuity errors. They just, I'm so much more observant of those now. And so I'm a little bit judgy of those now. <laughs> beautiful cinematic moments like where the moment where they're pulling in that statue and then they do that little mirror trick and it like totally screws with your 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 vision and you're like, oh oh we're over here okay cool like i love those little moments and the the sentiment of the story is beautiful it's still a wonderful love story just you know those little those little errors that needed some fine-tuning and explaining the whys that's all so only a couple of points dinged off of that for me so yeah i'd still rate it about an eight out of ten yeah, it's it's fascinating that you give such props to the like some of the cinematic choices, some of the directorial choices, some of the art direction, just because of the fact that the man that made this movie is known for Naked Gun and Airplane, and to think that it's it's very much like how Todd Phillips went from movies like Road Trip to the Joker. And it's like, oh my God, like these, these comedic directors have some really good ideas because they're willing to go for it. And I agree with you. There are some very interesting directorial choices that work really well. Mm -hmm. Colin, what about you? It's your first viewing of Ghost. What what did you think of it? Um, I liked it more than I, I think... For me, it's going to take a few more watches, but I, I liked it. It's definitely, it's not the movie that I thought I was going to be watching. It's, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't expecting the, that, like that one reviewer said, the mystery crime thriller aspect of it. I thought it was going to be kind of what I talked about before, more where like the guy dies and basically like Cyrano de, de Bergerac helps his friend to get his girl or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Like I thought, and I, and I, I thought it was going to be more of a drama, if that makes sense, based on what I've seen. And mm-hmm. and really more about I don't know I guess like kind of helping like Demi Moore's character like learn to love again like I thought it was gonna be one of those movies too so yeah it's just kind of it was a weird watch for me because it just wasn't at all what I expected I did end up enjoying it I really liked Whoopi Goldberg I like I ended up liking the comedic aspect of it a lot mm-hmm. and yeah I think it would I would give it probably like a seven out of ten type yeah. score I think it. It's one of those movies where, yeah, like we talked about before, if you really break it down too much, it kind of falls apart. But like as a movie, just like when you think about it on surface level, it's entertaining. It has fun moments. I like Patrick Swayze and like I like I basically like all the I felt all the actors in the movie do a good job. Yeah. At at playing their characters. And so, yeah. Even Demi Moore. You hear that, Marissa? (laughs) Even Demi Moore. (laughs) Even Demi Moore. I just want to clarify. It was just that one scene. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was beautiful. It was just that one scene where I felt she was just really eerily calm almost. Yeah. Yeah. Threw me off. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah. You know, rewatching it, you'll pick up on those little subtle hints about like Carl's character. Like when he's like, oh, let me do these for you. Or like little thing. That's the really nice part about watching it is you pick up on all these subtle hints. So highly recommend watching it again for sure. Yeah. Cause that, that was actually, I think on the first watch, like even, even when he comes in and is talking to Molly and is like, like t- t- basically telling her like she's crazy. On the first watch, before you know it's about to happen, it kind of seems sincere. And then all of a sudden you find out, oh, this he's a snake. And then you're like, oh, shit. But, yeah. 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 Like you, you read that last review and it, it, it seemed like that guy was basically saying that this movie needs to pick a side. Mm-hmm. You either got to be this or you got to be this, but there's no room for everything. And I think it's the blend of the humor, the blend of the thriller story and the blend of the love story that ties together an enjoyable time because you're not just watching like if if it was all just unchained melody the whole fucking time (laughs) eventually it would be like okay i'm done with this movie there's only so much sap i can handle yeah in a story like this because it's like what is a ghost gonna do like they can't be together they literally cannot be together yeah why did why didn't he possess molly that's what yeah. he should have done. <laughs> Just touch himself all over. But anyway. <laughs> but no, with, with this movie, yeah, that, that guy is saying pick a side. And for me, it's like, no, that's that's the charm of this movie. And I think that's what brings it together. And I still had a good time. But it was a lot sillier to me in moments than it used to be. That's for sure. There, there was a lot of, oh yeah, that or like, like, I, I can get on the seven train. That's that's a good place to be sitting. It's fun. It's still ghost. It'll always be a classic. But but it but it'll never be Dirty Dancing, right? No, it won't. <laughs> it really won't. Sorry. And you know what? I think those different components in it balance it. I think those components just needed a little bit more blending because it's almost like whiplash where you're like, oh, how sweet. Oh, you're going to hell. Yeah. I think we could probably go up a point or two if those things were kind of blended a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Blur the edges. Yeah, exactly. Well, there we go. That is Ghost. And that's our show for this week. Oh, boy. A big, huge thank you to our special guest, Marissa Dingle. Marissa... If people want to find you online or if there's anything you want to talk about, now's your opportunity. What what do you have to tell those good folks out there? <laughs> uh, not so shameless plug. Uh, aside from all of my regular stuff, I, uh, during the pandemic, started making some masks. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook, Masked by Marissa, M-A-S-K-D. They are four layer, two layers of interfacing, two layers of fabric with nose piece and adjustable ear straps. And they're $10 each and super comfortable. So if you're looking, find me. And I will plug them as well because during our production of Elf, she made a bunch of elf masks for anyone in the cast that wanted to buy one of them and i did purchase one they are very comfortable masks and the uh the wire is still holding up for me so that's also that's fantastic news thank you so much though for joining us bringing us a a little love this valentine's day marissa i appreciate you having me i hope to be back again absolutely well we'll definitely we'll keep you in mind for romeo and juliet Yay! <laughs> my sister or- totally tuned into that she was the one that introduced me to that movie and we're yeah. we're diehards nice I, I was gonna say or dirty dancing if yeah. if we want to do more swayze <laughs> then i'll take either or both <laughs> <laughs> 
If you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end is, well, just tell your friends. Word of mouth is so big and huge and that that was a terrible one. <laughs> <laughs> Word of mouth is huge for a podcast trying to build an audience. Or if you want to go above and beyond, just go to whatever app it is you listen to your podcast on and give us five stars. A little review just helps drive us up the charts and helps us get noticed. Or become a producer of the show. Become an executive producer, just like executive producer Joshua Blum, who got a shout out because he went over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and became part of our Patreon family. And be sure to check out our website, www.iustolikethisone.com. There you can find links to all of our podcast episodes, read some cool bios about me and Sean, and find all our social media. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. Go on there, give us some likes, comments, shares, all that good stuff. And if you want to, you can also email us at iustolikethisone, all one word, at gmail.com, and let us know what movies you used to like, and then maybe you'll find us talking about them on the show. I used to like this one. It's created by, hosted by, and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells. Music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band Carter in the Capitals anywhere you listen to music. Thanks for listening. And join us next time when we take a look at another movie on I Used to Like This One. And here's a special treat for anyone that's still listening after the credits. A little I Used to Like This One blooper reel. Will Sam learn how to poltergeist in time to protect Molly not only from Carl's murderous agenda, but also his far too soon considering she's your dead friend best bet yeah, far <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna start that again. Will Sam learn how to poltergeist in time to protect Molly not only from Carl's murderous agenda, but also his far too soon considering she's your dead best okay. One more time. Will Sam <laughs> Learn how to poltergeist in time to protect Molly not only from Carl's murderous agenda, but also his far too soon, considering she's your dead friend's best girl, sexual advances? Welcome to... I used to like this one. Let's find out on another episode of I used to like this one. Sean Sean will have fun editing that. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right on. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was.